Welcome to the Shiro Shift podcast, sponsored by Cardio Dance Babes. I'm your hostess, Carrie Anderson. Cardio Dance Babes provides fun, flexible workouts for women, and we're committed to providing an environment for women to redefine what fitness looks like for them. We believe that this is done from the inside out, and the best way to do this is through listening to the stories of others, to get inspiration, gain some perspective, and remember that we're not alone. So from our living room to yours, enjoy this collection of stories from other grown-ass women just like you. Friday, Cardio Dance Babes family. It is Friday, so it is time for the Shiro Shift, which is a conversation that I have with another lady every Friday afternoon. This has turned into being one of my favorite things because I have so loved getting the opportunity to sit down and chat with with these ladies and just hear their stories and find how, how relatable they are and see how other people react to these stories. It's been a fantastic experience. Um, so I think you may remember from an earlier episode that I mentioned uh, back at the holidays, I was standing in line at a grocery store and I was behind another lady and the lady walked up to the cashier and asked if they offered a veteran's discount. And I, there was no other indication that that lady would have been a veteran. I would have had no other way of knowing. And so it got me to thinking about how often we are standing next to, in car line behind, working out next to um, a superwoman and we don't even know it. Uh, I think it's a really, really interesting thing though to realize that Every woman is a superwoman. Every single one of us has a story. Every single one of us has something that we've overcome, some Herculean effort that we've made to get through and over and past something in our lives. And when we share those stories, it gives other women the opportunity to get inspiration and insight into their own lives through sharing that. So when I tell you that I was standing next to somebody in the grocery store, in line in the grocery store, let me just say that my guest today, you literally could have been standing next to her uh, in line at the grocery store because um, she's a ship shopper. (laughs) Specific, she's my ship shopper. So I think it's really important to note that these are everyday women that we encounter every day and we don't know um, their their stories and what's happened because nobody's taken the time to, to dig into some of that. And so I get the blessing of being able to do that here on the Shiro Shift. And today is a doozy. (laughs) I don't want to be a doozy. (laughs) 
this is going to be fun because this is the first time that I have on this kind of platform done an interview with somebody that I don't know super closely. I'd like for you to meet Meredith. Meredith and I have actually known each other for years. Uh, she used to come to my classes at the Y. We were we were actually in um, a yoga class together. Like we we've been around each other and in each other's sphere for a while. And then uh, there were a couple of times that she showed up at my door with bags of groceries, and I was just like, "Whoa, how cool is that?" Small world. <laughs> Small world. That's exactly right. So um, it has been so interesting to have her come into the cardio dance babes fold as a boss babe so i've gotten the opportunity to get to know her better and even so as i've been going through the intake document for meredith this week it just blows my mind how much you don't know about a person that you think you know um, <laughs> So I, I am very excited to interview somebody that I don't already know their backstory. Um, let me introduce you a little bit more to Meredith. Meredith is divorced. She's a single mom of Chloe, who is 11. Chloe is adorable, I know, because I see her on Facebook. She also <laughs> has a prima donna ragdoll kitty, which I just want to squish. Uh, and, and her name, her name is Brownie brownie oh that's awesome she is 41 years old she was born in england her mother is british and her dad was uh in the army so they moved around a lot she moved to greenville south carolina where we are locally now about seven years ago from virginia which is where she kind of called home after her dad retired she is um Again, an independent contractor for Shipped, a lover of wine, music, friends, girl power, which I can attest to, uh, fun, cooking, and uh, has a, a huge love of the world. So I am so, so excited to have you, Meredith. Thank you for joining me. And if you guys have questions for Meredith, make sure to type them here. I'm watching. So let us see your love for Meredith. We got we got people saying, hey guys, hi, she's a badass, which she is. <laughs> <laughs> so first we're gonna get a little bit into Meredith's story. Meredith, tell us a little about yourself. Oh, well, thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm here. Don't so. be nervous, don't be well, nervous. It's um, just those gals. <laughs> Yeah, so I live here in Greenville. Um, I'm a single working mommy, like she's like Carrie said. I'm 41. Um, I love life. I love to work. I love my friends. I love my job. I love my daughter. Um, I've been in Greenville for seven years. I love it here. I think it's great. Great place to raise my daughter. Um, I've met some awesome people here. The weather's great. <laughs> it's not cold. Maybe not today. It's Well, yeah. it's pretty today. It's not pouring down, which we appreciate. <laughs> no, not at all. So, But you grew up in the UK. I did. Yeah. So my, um, my mom is British. I'm also British too. I have dual citizenship. I've got an EU passport and an American passport, which is great. 
My dad was stationed in Frankfurt, Germany with the army. My mom was also in Germany. She worked, she was an air traffic controller there and they met. Um, and you know, the rest is history because out came Meredith. Uh, <laughs> and we lived, my mom went back to England for a new born. We lived in Germany. Um, we were actually in Florida for a very short amount of time. I was like six and we were there briefly and then back to England. My dad retired from the army when I was 13 in Newport News, Virginia, which is where I call home. I have a lot of good friends there, where I went to middle school and high school, went to college there. So you um, came and lived in the U.S. at? 13. 13. Okay. 13. Okay. Yeah. So I went to a lot of schools, um, <clears throat> had to pick up and move in the middle of the school year over and over and over again. Um, but I think that made me kind of a, a great assimilator to situations and people. And, you know, when I moved to the US, I, I traveled, I'd been all around Europe a lot. You know, Europe is small, it's easy to go on vacation to whatever country you want to. So I right. think that was a, a cool thing for me to have at such a young age to be able to see some of the world and experience different cultures and, you know, I love Virginia, but I will say moving to Greenville, South Carolina seven years ago was the biggest culture shock I'd ever experienced in my life. Really? Why was that? Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, I mean, Newport News is, you know, Southern Virginia on, on the water. So close to North Carolina and people that live there that are native to Hampton Roads will say that it's the South, that they live in the South. It's not the South. Okay. I moved to Greenville. This is the South. I moved here with my ex-husband. He was actually from here. Um, people are just different, man. And like, I mean, obvious things, you know, I was like, I remember going to Bilo. We lived off Pelham Road and I went to the Bilo there by Michelin and I couldn't buy beer. <laughs> and I was like, no one had told me this. It was a Sunday. You know, I didn't get it. I, I wasn't used to that. Um, I remember... I thought every single radio station was either Hispanic or Christian music. And that was a shock for me. And people, I have a different appreciation for it now, meeting people and knowing people. But I really thought that that Southern charm was all just kind of fake. Like people would be really nice to you to your face and then talk crap about you behind your back. And I remember my the first place I worked when I was here, our office manager made us pray every day in a circle. And I'm looking around like, this is not legal. Like you can't make people pray, but it's like, welcome to the South. You know, it is, it is what it is. It now is. I wouldn't be outraged by that. But when I first moved here from the North, um, my boyfriend calls me a Yankee all the time. I don't consider myself to be a Yankee. I'm kind of nomad. That's what my husband says too. He was uh, an air force brat. He's like, I'm from everywhere. Exactly. I my yeah. accent isn't placeable. People tell me that I sound like I'm from California. Like I have a Valley girl kind of accent going on sometimes. So yeah, that is awesome. So you did college in Virginia. Mm -hmm. I went, well, I, from high school, I was a Perfect student in high school, did all the right things, top of my class, you know, you name it. I went to Randolph-Macon College, which is a private college in Richmond, Virginia for a year. Um, and then I transferred to ODU, Old Dominion University. Okay. And then there was a time in France again, correct? I did, yeah. So 
I will tell anybody that asked me this, if young people actually like want my advice, but if they're going to college and in college, I will tell them to study abroad. So in college, I was an art history and a French major. And I went to France and I spent a semester there. I actually lived with a French family in Tours, which is about an hour southwest of Paris. Went to a French university there, you know, where it's all not, not English teachers teaching you French, like French classes at a real French university. Um, and I met some wonderful people that I'm still in touch with to this day and just, you know, moving away from my life alone at, I think I might've been 21, 22, wow. right at the end of college. What an experience, what an experience. So I decided that, you know, I really wanted to continue to see the world and I wanted to travel and I was so independent. I didn't need anybody. I didn't need anything. I could just do whatever I wanted. Um, I was going to move to France and teach English as a foreign language. Um, I'd already been in contact with some schools in Beauvais, and that's my what I wanted to do. Or I wanted to be a flight attendant, which I also tried to do later, but it didn't work out. So <laughs> I don't think I wrote that in my... I did not see that in the notes. No, it's not in the notes. Okay. Um, Chloe's dad and... But where did you guys meet? Chloe's dad, I'd actually known for years in college. I I always worked full-time and went to school, and I worked at a restaurant called Cheddar's in Newport News. We have one here in Greenville, but I was a bartender at Cheddar's, and he used to come in there with his friends from where he worked all the time for lunch, so I knew him. And actually, before I went on that trip, he knew I was going because, you know, I'd talked to my customers about it, and he left me, like, a huge tip. Um and then, you know, I'm gone for months and months and months on end. And, and I went back to my job and whatever. We ended up getting together. So we met at Cheddar's. Okay. And so then what happens with with the, the, the new guy? Mm -hmm. You come back from Europe. Mm -hmm. And you get back sort of to working your regular job. You meet this guy. And what happens from there? Well, Cliff and I were together for... Um, a long time, I got a job, um, like a grown-up job. Um, we didn't get married. I was never really interested in getting married or having a family. I always wanted to kind of do my own thing. Um, I joined Corporate America, and I found that I like really excelled there uh, um, more than I was ready for, probably more than Corporate America was ready for. Um, I worked full time. Um, in the middle of that, I we'd actually planned to move to Greenville before I had Chloe. We were going to move down here, um, and I couldn't transfer with my job to the same position I was at. I had to go down like five levels, and I wasn't really willing to do that. Mm -hmm. and then I got pregnant, and um, I still didn't want to get married, and my ex-husband's parents pretty much Southern. they live here in greenville that they weren't going to be grandparents to a bastard so hence we got married we didn't even tell anybody we just went to the justice of the peace i was pregnant like i didn't even tell my parents um and yeah so that was life he stayed at home he didn't work um <clears throat> you know when you're younger you tend to ignore all those red flags as women. We all talk about that now. Um, but then I think 
<clears throat> I ignored every red flag there was. He was a felon. He was an alcoholic. Um, he did not have his shit together. I probably didn't have my, sorry. I did not have my stuff together either. It didn't matter. Um, but I ignored every red flag there was. Um, our relationship was not the best and it never was. Um, but, you know, it just seems like the right thing to do to get married and have a baby and buy a house and, you know, do all the things that you're supposed to do. Seemingly looking great from the outside. I've got an amazing career. I'm very successful at work. I have a gorgeous daughter. We have a beautiful home. I have a stay-at-home father um, who stays, didn't work, stayed at home. Um, but on the inside, it was not good at all for a long time. So. Can you get a little bit more into some of that and what you mean by not good? Yeah, I mean, every relationship has its fights, has its ups and downs. Um, Chloe's dad was a diagnosed bipolar sociopath, like from multiple doctors, like diagnosed, like book, like there's books written about people like this. Um, why I felt like that type of person, especially being an addict, how he was, why I wanted to involve myself with that type of person, I'm not sure. Maybe I just thought that, you know, the love we had could just conquer everything. Um, but it was just ugly on the inside. Um, there was not, not a lot of love and support for Meredith. Um, he was very, um, it started emotionally abusive. Um, you know, putting me down for like the randomest stuff, like, he didn't like what I would make and he would like throw the bowl of food across the room, like that kind of stuff. And this is when we were dating and I still married this man, like, where's my brain? Um, and then the fights would escalate um, and they did get physical. It wasn't always physical. When it did get physical though, I, he wasn't the biggest guy and I'm not the littlest girl. And most of the time, I wasn't having it. I fought back and then he kind of got like this look in his eye, like this girl is going to kick my butt. And I'm like, yeah, right. I'm kicking your butt because you just put your fist in my face. Like this is how this is going to go. And I didn't tell anybody like I live with this and I've got friends in Virginia that I have been friends with. They probably know now, but when this was happening, like I didn't talk about that. That is what happened in the privacy of our own home. And um, I, I don't know if I wanted to save face or I didn't want to deal with it or I told myself it didn't happen all the time, so it was fine. Um, I was focused on my career and raising a good daughter. And then um, we, I tried to be a good wife and I wanted to work on our marriage and I did, and I would have done anything for the man. I went broke putting him through rehab. He kept getting DUIs. I paid all those fines and those are not cheap. Um, I would have done anything for him. I remember his family tried to have an intervention with me, like his brother and his sister-in-law and his dad, and his mom, like, you're too good for him. Like you need to leave him. 
Um, so the family that forced you a shotgun wedding to marry this man yeah. is now like our bad get out of there. Yeah. Well, they didn't know any of this. This was just, you know, through the years, it'd be like Christmas and you know, someone's brother is drunk and it's like, why did you marry my brother? He's a loser type type stuff. Um, he, you know, I was like, you need to work, you need to do something. Um, I, so we packed up and I left my job and we moved to South Carolina and I did that for him. I left my mom, my dad had just died and I left my mom in Virginia for him. I left all my friends. Um, and you can say that you have friends, but like, I don't have a big family. I'm an only child. Sorry. My friends were my everything. Like, and I moved to South Carolina and I had no friends and he was supposed to go to work for his dad, but he couldn't get bonded as a locksmith because he didn't have, he was a felon. So I ended up working two jobs um, until I got like a really good job, but he didn't do anything. He would sit at home all day in our recliner and drink beer. Um, at this point, we weren't even sleeping in the same bedroom. We hadn't been sleeping in the same bedroom for years. And I was just down here like alone and I wanted to make friends and his friend owned a restaurant. So I'd bartend there every other Friday, you know, just to meet people and like, feel like I had my own life. Um, that was a hard time for me. I was really alone and <clears throat> I thought that things would get better um, because he always said, I could go to South Carolina, I'll be happy, you know, I'll be a better husband. Um, but that wasn't true. He didn't change. Um, and I remember Chloe's getting older now and I just remember one morning being woken up um, and he was mad at me for something. Who knows what? I probably didn't fold a towel right. Um, and I'm in bed and he's just like over me and he has like a phone or iPad in one hand and it's this and he is just going at me and Chloe woke up and she was standing at the end of the doorway. She's just like crying and freaking out like mommy, you know, daddy, you know, you're hurting mommy, you're hurting mommy. And and I told myself, because most of the time, if this would ever happen, I would get up and raise my fist and just, we'd go at it, it'd be over. Um, but when she saw it and she verbalized it, I was like, you know what? I am going to let this happen. I'm gonna let this play out and I'm not gonna stand up for myself. And I did. Um, it didn't. That was that weekend was probably like the worst weekend of my whole life. I will tell you that I Cliff would not let me leave the house. It was just a mess. I convinced Chloe to get taken to her grandparent. Anyways, I decided I'd had enough that weekend. I would have never had the courage to do that had I lived in Virginia because I would have just wouldn't have I had you know I would I would all my friends were there everyone I'd gone to high school there you know I didn't want to be the girl that failed the girl so you that were afraid of judgment I was afraid of judgment yeah so I went to work that next I didn't go to work um I said I was going to work I went downtown I filed a uh police report I pressed charges I got a restraining order I got a protective custody order for Chloe now the house was in my name, everything was in my name. I was never a girl to, I didn't change my name when I got married, we never shared a bank account, like none of that. Um, but he would never leave. I always asked him for years to leave. We'd get in fights and I'm like, just get out, just go. And he never would. 
Anyways, I came home from work. Chloe went to McDonald's. I told him I was going to McDonald's and I left with Chloe and I didn't go back. Didn't pack a bag, didn't have anything. Um, we had to hide out for like a couple weeks because Cliff was on the prowl. Like I couldn't send Chloe to school. I couldn't go to work. Um, Where did you go? Well, I went to my closest friends that I had at the time, but they were also the people that he had gone to high school with. Like they, I mean, and I ended up at their mother's house for a little while. I went to, I went to his parents' house and I told them everything. I showed them the bruises and the marks I had. I had marks on my neck where he'd had his hands on my neck and I was just covered in bruises and, um, they wouldn't help me. They said that it was our business and that like we had to figure it out on our own. So I went to our friend's parents' house who this woman is still, you know, like a second mother to me. And my mom actually ended up flying down and my best friend ended up flying down and we stayed in a hotel and, um, it takes a couple days for the courts, but they went over there and escorted him off the property. You know, he had to leave. Well, I think they gave him like a certain amount of time to get out anyways, but that was that. And then I was here and I was alone and I was scared to death of him. I remember they had to post cops out of Chloe's preschool for like two weeks because he kept showing up every day, every day at her school wanting to like take her. But I hadn't been putting her in school because I knew that he was, you know, looking for us. So yeah, but, um, probably have not told that story in its entirety or this much of it in a long time. So I'm sorry. L little tears there. Yeah, me too. Don't be sorry. <laughs> Don't be sorry. If, if there is any question about whether or not it takes guts to sit here and tell your real story let me just say this is the kind of strength that other women need to feel other women need to feel this kind of empowerment to leave these kind of dangerous situations because there is no help and it is an absolute miracle to have you sitting here in front of my screen <laughs> in front of me today um, it's, it's being funny. able to tell this story to somebody who may need that one little push to to do the scariest thing they've ever had to do I will say when you say there's no help there isn't like the grandparents my mom saw it one time after my dad died, um, she had moved in with us for her sanity reasons. And she heard a commotion and came down the hall and she saw it and we were in, we were in the bed and she saw him hit me and she didn't even tell me to leave. She moved out and she bought a new house and she made a bedroom for Meredith, bedroom for Chloe and one for her. So she gave me a safe haven a place to spend time um, away from my own house, which which I was thankful for. But when you say there's no help, like the courts weren't that helpful. The judge wasn't that helpful. The lawyers weren't that helpful. 
one judge even told me I'd put up with it for so long. It was my fault when we went for custody for when I went later, like I had put up with it for so long. I knew he was an alcoholic. I went, I suffered the abuse. Um, it was my fault and he was still a fit parent. Um, so that was really hard. You, you, you have to find it in yourself. Like there, there'll be a trigger moment. Um, I hope that nobody listening to this has ever had to experience something like that, especially from their husband, um, especially from the father of their child that you have given your whole life to and done everything to. But if you do, you'll get to that point and you, you have to find the strength to do it yourself. Cause really when it comes down to it, there isn't a lot of help for it. And no one wants to face it or talk about it. And one of the things that I don't feel like people who have never really experienced abuse, be it emotional, mental, physical, is the abuser does so much to tear you down. There's literally nothing left. There's nothing left. So to be able to pull yourself up from nothing is honest to goodness I think it's something only a woman can do that's yeah. that's the truth of it yeah and I'm I'm curious now so you've been literally physically beaten your person has been torn down I can only imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, that your self-confidence is non-existent, that you're, you're really, really struggling to rebuild from this point. How do we, how do we get there from here? Well, I mean, this was, this was seven years ago that I left. Um, I'm going to say something like, I experienced that, but I own the situation. I'm not accepting fault for the situation, but I own the situation that I was in. I made my bed, I laid in it, I got out of the bed, I set the bed on fire, whatever, but that certainly does not define me. I will Can we make this a t-shirt, please? What? <laughs> it, it doesn't, yeah, I mean, it does not define me, and I refuse to be a victim even now. Like, I will talk about it, and, 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 I, and I went through it, I was the same person before I was the same person then, but on the other hand, my situation different from a lot of other women's situations who have been involved in an abusive relationship. I had an, I had a successful career and I had my job to love. Um, and when I got the job as district manager here and for safe light, which was right about the same time this was going on, I had that to pour myself into. And if I knew that I wasn't a crappy person, if I could be in charge of all these people and, you know, make all this money and, you know, do all these great things for a corporate job, um, that place got me through it a whole lot and those people there. So I do struggle with self-confidence issues, what woman what does, but I know in my heart of hearts, I'm not saying that he did not knock me down and make me feel like a nervous wreck in my own home all the time, all the time. Like I walked wrong, I breathed wrong, I smelled wrong, I looked wrong. Everything about Meredith was wrong all the time and I had to live with that. Um, but 
I knew it had everything to do with him and nothing to do with me. And especially now going back, I said, I feel I'm 40 and I feel so wise. That was all about him. He still has, he's still an alcoholic. He's still a crappy dad. He's never given me a dollar towards Chloe. And I don't even have the strength or energy to fight him for it. Like he, and I spent a lot of time being angry at him. Like so angry, like, how could you do this to me? Well, you know what, I'll get over it. You did that to me. I'm gonna move on from this. How could you do that to Chloe? He's not, he's not in her life very much. I mean, he sees her maybe once a month. Um, he's not, but I can't be angry at him anymore because it, I'm not about negative energy ever. And he sucks all the energy out of me to the, like, I can't even talk to him on the phone barely. Like I, if my friends are watching and they've been around or we've had to interact and be on the phone, they know I'm like a screeching, angry, crying maniac. Um, and I'm not that person. I don't ever want to be that person again. So I just let it go. It's easier for me to just not let him arouse my energy level in any way. Yeah. Bad. Well, and one of the things that I do think is probably a little bit, sets you into a little bit of a class of your own when it comes to a situation where a, a woman is ab abused and is made to leave that situation or finds the strength to leave that situation. I think you specifically have a special quality um, that, again, sets you a little bit of apart because one thing you have that a lot of women don't have and maybe it's why it's easier for them to be more extinguished, basically, as opposed to what happened with you. You have fire. You have you have fire in your gut, in your heart, in your soul. I've seen that since the very moment that, that we met. And um, I think that instead of having some man come along and extinguish that fire, I think you were able to be like, no, let's... I love your analogy of, like I set the bed on fire. Uh, I think that's absolutely perfect for you. And so now, now, circling back around, you still have this fire. You still have this flame. And you're able to put a lot of that heart and passion into your work past this point. Tell us a little bit about your career and where that took you. Um, well, I feel like every job I ever had from the get-go, from being a lifeguard to being a hostess to being a waitress, I always immediately ended up in a leadership role. Um, I was the lifeguard manager. I was the hostess manager. I was a corporate trainer for every restaurant that I worked at, you know, and this is through my youth. I would travel and open all the new restaurants. Um... I got a job at Express at the mall and I went up and I was a store manager and I was a district merchandising manager. And this is all while I'm in college. Um, and then I went to work for Enterprise and I just, I ended up doing really, really well um, until I didn't. I don't know if that makes sense. You know, I'd have like a great career, you know, national awards, uh, global recognition on some things and 
the further I went up the ladder, and this is what happened to me, I feel like at two different companies I've worked for, um, and I, you know what, I finally get a seat at that table, I, I was pretty much the only woman. Um, and I feel like all the qualities about my um, leadership and skill sets ultimately were turned around and used against me. I don't know if that one makes sense. It's hard to be a woman in corporate America, especially yeah. in an industries that is a predominantly male run industry, which I've always been in automotive. Hello, men. Um, and I'm not saying that I don't work well with men. I've always worked well with men. I work great with everybody, but I think my personality and leadership style always, I don't want to say it got me in trouble because I, I'm not saying that I was in trouble, but like I was never going to kiss butt. I was never going to play politics. I was never going to keep my mouth shut. And men don't like that. No, they don't. Especially when they're in charge. Um, and all those things that led me to be so successful, you know, I mean, in my last place, when I went in there, this market wasn't even a market. Dead last in the company. Two years later, we were top five out of like a hundred different markets. I did that in two years. I doubled all of the profits. I opened new stores, but then my boss thinks that I am, that I make people uncomfortable, that I've got too much to say, that I shouldn't be so brutally honest. And I'm sorry, like we spend so much of our lives at work. Don't you want to have a leader and a boss that's honest with you? Like you've got it or you don't got it. Like you need to do this or you don't need to do this. Or if it's so interested in your success and so passionate about your business that you get to know people on a personal level and you know aren't managed from arm's length. Those relationships that I was able to build with people and you know standing up for the little guy and not being afraid to voice up on a policy that may not be the best or thinking outside the box. I don't know if that was intimidating to some people or not. Um, but it always ended up just not being the right fit. The right fit is out there. I've told myself for the past couple of years, hey, maybe I'm just not cut out for corporate America. But I know in my heart of hearts, that's bull crap because I have made so many relationships and I know I've had an impact on so many people's lives. Um, and I, I wasn't super successful just by, you know, the luck of the draw. Hey, well, let's give it to her. No, it wasn't like that. I worked hard um, and I'm still, people still reach out to me now to tell me, you know, people that I've even forgotten about and like, you were the most, you know, you're the best leader I've ever had. You taught me how to do this. You changed my outlook. Like, because of you, I did these things. So like, I can't give that up no matter how bad I feel I may have been trotted on or, you know, not been able to express my voice the way that I wanted to, or I didn't have the right leadership style for the company. Like that's, you know what, if you can't handle this extraness, I will find somebody that can. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that that's a very, very common thing. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we're starting to come out of that, that culture a little bit. My mom was corporate America back in the 80s, 
like trailblazer in her like cubicle and shoulder pads. Hey, shoulder pads. Absolutely. Like she was a complete trailblazer for the rest of us. And when I started working in business and I started working with um, startups and entrepreneurs and stuff, I would come to her and I'd be like, how I'm having to like beat my head against a door to get this concept through. And she's like, well, you just have to figure out how to do it very quietly. Let it be their idea. Why? Men no. Out? What? <laughs> no, that is, <laughs> no, that's not the way this is going to be done. But you're right. The culture, that's not honest to goodness. It's one of the reasons that I love entrepreneurship so much because I get to make my own rules. Um, but I'm not here to make you comfortable. I'm here to do my job. And because I have a big, well, you and I share that quality. I have a really big personality and a really big, like I have a big mouth. I don't stop. I have opinions. And um, I I don't shy away from sharing those opinions. Sometimes I'm very careful about how I say it, but I, I, I I don't do small. And I feel like culture wants us so badly to be small, to fit the form, to, to all like, be this nice little package and fit into and I just don't do that and so I admire you so much for being like you know what um just because you say I don't have it exactly the way you'd want me to cool that doesn't mean I don't have it period yeah let me figure out a way yeah for the world to work for me for once yeah it's so, out there. There's a place for me. I just have to find it. And, um, you know, I always wanted to go into human resources. I, it's not all glamorous. You're really having really hard conversations with people a lot. I'm totally fine with that. Um, so I wanted to go to grad school, but, you know, I did a little partying in college and didn't have the best GPA. I'm not getting into grad school with my GPA. So, um, I'm actually going back, um, to get a, a bachelor BA in leadership and ethics at ODU. Um, and then I will apply to grad school. So Very but I want to help companies do what's best for them and do what's best for their employees. The road can be 50, 50. Um, and you know, I, we talked about girl power. I'm all about girl power. I just read an article that businesses that have female CEOs and female executive leadership are 50% more profitable than those that don't. And I've seen that. I've lived that. I, my last position, I remember I took our company matrix for the year and all of the top 15 stores, all but one was run by women in a, in an automotive world, you know, like it's, it's true, but companies can't keep female leadership. I don't know. Right. And I want to help that. I, I want to be a part of, of changing that culture and for corporate America to realize how much value it is to making a female want to stay through all the other stuff they do in their life. Men in executive leadership just get to go be leaders and come home and drink beer and sit on the couch or whatever. That may be an exaggeration. But as women, we still still bear the brunt of most of the responsibilities 
in everyone else's lives. Domestically, right. A career in corporate America that's hard to begin with has to be really worth it for a woman to stick it out and want to stay. And I don't think companies realize that if they invest in that woman feeling that, that, that they can do so much more. And there's so many facets to that too. That means building in a world where a woman can be successful and still have maternity leave. A woman can yep. be successful and still have to pump every few hours. Yep. A woman and can, not have a to woman can do a job closet. and still have to stay at home with a sick kid occasionally. Exactly. And they can do all of those things because yes. they're super women and that's what we do. Yes. <laughs> so let's let's see how all of this kind of ties together. You have a marriage and a husband who constantly, constantly telling you you're not enough and you fight and you you prove to yourself, yes, I am, and watch what I can do. You have a career where people are constantly telling you you're not enough. This is not, be this, not this. Um, your shirt is absolutely perfect. Perfect. It says, if you're, if you're listening to this, it says, I'm extra. Um, sorry, not sorry. I'm extra. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so now there's, again, this entire round table of people telling you you're too much. Uh, tone it down. Be smaller. Take it down a notch. Um, and again, you're like, mm, no. And so now you're you're again sort of taking the time to figure out okay well if not this then what so you had the last few years where you have been going and doing a fun job with no stress with no stress no stress and great money people's mouths fall to the floor when i tell them what i make um it probably one of the best things we've ever done. And Sally, who's in our group, was a ship shopper. And Sally, she, by the way, I have to tell you, Sally commented, "You are beautiful inside and out." Aww. And I agree. So I need to, I need to insert Sally She's in the here one because that told me about shipped, and you know, people are like, on one, you know, and I'm like, oh, you can't deliver groceries for the rest of your life. And granted, I probably could, um, but I want to do something else I have met. I have such great friends that I've met in the ship community. Um, it's, uh, it's so much fun. <laughs> you get to shop with other people's money. Some people hate the grocery store, whatever, but I'm my own boss. I make my own schedule. I didn't work today because, Hey, I didn't feel like it. You know, um, you can do as much or as little as you want. So it's given me time to also, reflect on you know what i want from my life and you know ultimately you know what i value in my career and i am someone who puts so much of their personal happiness on their success at work um and i need i need that i need to i need a team i need to feel like i'm part of something that's bigger than me i need something to work towards i need that in my soul um but at least i've had time to figure it out um, you know, I could have easily gone back and been a, a 
area manager or district manager at some other company and still be going through the same set of bullcrap and rules. So I'm going to find the right thing and it's scary to do it at 40. Um, but why not? <laughs> exactly. Right? Why not? Exactly. Why not? So when I, when I went through Meredith's um, intake form, the thing that stood out to me and the thing that I think without a shadow of a doubt we have completely hit on here is the thing that she felt was most important with her story is this idea of being true to yourself. And I want to really drive that home because there have been so many incidences in your life where you were had where you were put in a situation where you had to stop look back and say no i i have to be true to myself in this moment and i feel like your story just embodies that so much can you speak a little bit more on what you feel like it means to be true to yourself and how that's been for you Boy, it's probably been a long time coming. Um, I think, I think yourself is always inside of you. You know, it's like your inner voice. Sometimes it's a devil. Sometimes it's an angel. Um, and sometimes you have to fight to be yourself in a world that probably doesn't want you to be yourself, um, or a relationship or a situation, whatever you're in. Um, but it doesn't matter like if you go out there and you are who you are and you do what you want to do and you fail because at the end of the day, you're going to feel good about it, right? Because you were true to what you really thought. You were true to your heart. Um, <clears throat> you know, I've had people tell me that I'm probably too naive for, you know, the corporate life or for life in general, but my inside always tells me to see the positive in people my inside always tells me to love everybody um and if you can't love and believe in something and be really passionate about something even if it doesn't work out like what's the point of life so i will always follow my heart um and love and be happy and silly even when it's not appropriate because I do that all the time um, because it feels good to me. Um, and I know that my friends and my family appreciate it. I'm, I'm sure that Chloe will one day appreciate it because at night when I tuck myself into my little unicorn bed over here, I feel good about the things that I've done. And that's all you can really ask for. And I think too many women get in the trap of living in should, bullshit. Um, what I mean by that is like, I should get married. I should have a. I should have a house. I should have a job. You I should know what you want to do when you go to college. You, yeah. I should <laughs> know. I should be the right. Ah. Like I. I should be this. I should. This is hard for me. This is one that was really hard for me. I should be this kind of mom. And my kids should been be this kind, this of, kind kid. of kid. Mm -hmm. And that has been really hard for me to break away from thinking, but I should, but I should, but I should, you should, I should, he should. And it, it Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> yeah, I right, exactly. So and it's it's torn me up too many times. Um, I've seen it happen to other women as well. And this idea of just like doing what you want, man. 
just following your heart and being true to yourself because your your yourself knows where you need to go. Yeah. If you would just trust yourself enough. Um, so I, I absolutely love that about you. Let's go into our 3G. Um, the 3G is something that we do with the boss babes that just helps us sort of uh, set an intention. We, we typically do it week by week, but here I'm going to ask you to go back across your life and do our 3G across across your experience. Those 3Gs are what are we grateful for? What do we need to give ourselves grace for? And then what are our goals? So what are you grateful for the most here at 41? And this extraordinary story that you've, you've given us a blessing of telling us today. Well, I'm thankful to be 41 and actually feel kind of wise. I think I wrote that. Um, I feel like I can take a step back from my life and look at it for what it, what it is. And, you know, it's a lot of lessons and there's been a lot, it's been a roller coaster. There's been a lot of happiness and joy and success. And there's also been a lot of sadness and hurt and failure. Um, so I'm grateful that I feel like I have a little bit of knowledge and no matter what's happened to me, the confidence to take that knowledge forward. Um, and I'm also thankful, thankful for my friendships. Um, and I mean, I've probably talked about my friends and, you know, as you get older, you don't see them as much, but it doesn't matter. Um, I think the kinship of women is so important. Um, I think we need to make sure we take time out of our life to enrich our souls with that kind of connection. And I'm thankful to be able to do that. Um, every now and then when I get a chance to do it. And for my friends that I've had my whole life, they mean the world. Um, so, yeah. What do you still need to give yourself grace for in your story? Um, probably not to be so hard on myself. Um, you know, you, your life is rarely where you want it to be. And I have to, you tell yourself that's okay. You know, if you're going to write a book when you're 12 of what you think your life should going to be, and if you write that book again when you're 20, it may change a bit or 25. But looking back, it's not the book, woo, you know, I might as well have been writing in another language. And that's okay. I have to give myself grace for the things that I did wrong um, or that the world thinks I did wrong or whatever it may be. I just need to give myself grace for the person that I was and the person that I will continue to be um, and not be too hard on myself about it. And maybe there is also something to be said for the fact that you had to, you had to make those choices to learn the lessons to get you where you're going. We yeah. need all this. You know what I'm saying? You so, do. Sometimes you need a good slap in the face to like. <laughs> so going forward, what are your goals? You talked about going back to school, which is very yeah. exciting. You know, I want to continue to be, um, you know, a good person. I, I love to help others and do things for other people. It's like my thing. Um, so always try to think about other people first. Um, to be a good mom um, and not put my idealisms, like you said, on the kind of 
child I think she should be, but to let her be her own person and to find her own voice. Um, you know, I'm always in search for that happy ending as we all are. So I will forever be on the quest of, you know, uh, they lived happily ever after type thing. So, I mean, I hope that's in my future and, you know, I want to travel and I want to see the world and I want to help people. And can I, can I give a, can I give a little bit of a spoiler, you guys? Um, if you were wondering, I know that Meredith does have a special guy. She does. She does. So in a lot of ways, it's come full circle. Do you think? What, I hope what so. What is it taking for you, though, also to, like, believe again that you deserve happiness? I do. And however it may come. And however you find it or however you happy, however happy you make your mind up to be, because I think that's a big part of it as well. And... You know, you don't know what the future holds, but if you go into the future with enthusiasm and a positive attitude and just laugh at things a little bit, I'll be okay. Y'all will be okay. Um, I think it's just, you know, the, the face you put on when you're facing it is how it's going to turn out. So I agree a hundred percent. And I talk about my relationship, but I'm not going to define Meredith Rayant in the terms of anybody else other than myself. I love that. I love that and I wish every teenager and 20 something year old girl could hear that. They yeah. wouldn't listen, I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't listen if <laughs> you were wouldn't me listen, either. You know. Oh, y'all, I got my own, I got my own guy stories, let me tell you. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. Um, this has been amazing. Thank you. First of all, so many things to pull away from this. So, so, so many things to pull away from this. But the number one thing that I keep coming back to is the strength that it takes to be yourself no matter what. The strength that it takes to make the right decisions for yourself the strength that it takes to walk away so that you can take care of yourself is woven all through this story i mean meredith is a very very strong lady i don't think that that's in question at all but what i find to be so interesting is this constant West of you know what no uh, I might be extra and guess what that's okay I I get to be myself and years and years of different situations trying to dampen that has not stopped the the beautiful spirit in this lady I can tell you that I have video proof of her dancing at my doorbell singing to my dog as she's delivering dog treats <laughs> from the grocery store <laughs> she's like talking to my dog <laughs> this is a happy lady she has made that decision 
to be herself, to follow her heart, to find her own truth. And I think there's a great lesson in that for all of us, all of us at all ages, all ages, whether you're a young woman, whether you're 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and even up, I think it's something we should all just give ourselves permission to do. Meredith, this has been a fantastic, fantastic story. Uh, Thank you. And I, something else I really want to add, guys, is this isn't a story. This is somebody's life. I'm a and real it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it goes on from here. Um, I hope that when you're listening to this and you're reflecting on some of the lessons that we've talked through here, that you can find some insight and inspiration and application in your own life. It certainly takes a lot of guts to get in here and be this open and be this vulnerable and it just shows the character of Meredith and we just love you so much Meredith we appreciate you as yes we appreciate you in our boss babes community you're always a shining bright star in the boss babes um and again thank you so so much for being here and sharing with us Thank you for joining the Shiro Shift Podcast. The Shiro Shift Podcast is sponsored by Cardio Dance Babes. To find out more about Cardio Dance Babes, go to cardiodancebabes.com or to apply to be a guest on the show, go to cardiodancebabes.com slash stories. <laughs>